Good day. You're listening to Free City Radio. I'm Stefan Christoph. Thanks for tuning in. This is the 179th edition of the program. This week, I will continue with audio from a public event that took place at Concordia University in Montreal, Geogiage, on the role of artists during the 2012 student strike. Um, for those listening outside of Quebec or who have not followed this event, there was a massive uh, student strike protest movement that took place in 2012 that extended from the spring and throughout the summer into the fall of that year. It was a massive strike against a proposed tuition hike for universities in Quebec. And also it became a broader critique of neoliberal economics as they were being played out in the context of Quebec. So the rolling back of public funds for healthcare, education, the treatment of the environment as a playground for corporations, mining corporations, forestry corporations, a broad movement that was critical of the colonial capitalist frameworks of economics that were being imposed on Quebec society at that time. Of course, this was a a very important movement that thought critically about the fundamental questions and structures of Quebec society, talking also about, in many cases, the fundamental colonial origins of Quebec, uh, looking to uh, indigenous movements and land defenders, uh, especially within the context of the climate justice aspects of this big strike movement. So it was really a transformative moment where a lot of the fundamental injustices central to Quebec colonial society were questioned uh, during the student strike in 2012. It was very impressive. There were protests every night for many months, literally. And I put together a panel at Concordia University called Art in Action, the 2012 Quebec student strike. Last week, I featured voices from that panel, and I will continue to share uh, reflections that were presented. Uh, We will hear today from Norman Navratsky, who is an author, musician, and community organizer, and we'll also hear some additional reflections from Zéa Boulieu-April, who spoke last week on the show. Also, you'll hear some reflections about a book called Wages for Students that was published by PM Press that was originally a text written in 1975 but was revamped in New York City later in 2016. It was was published again through Common Notions. We will also hear the voice of Bengi Akpulut, who is an academic and economist teaching at Concordia University in the Geography Planning Environment department. Bengi makes a parallel, a very important one, between some of the imagery and also experiences across continents, looking at the Gezi Park movement uh, in Istanbul, in Turkey, where um, activists, environmental activists, and and social activists were defending a park from privatization uh, in Istanbul, a very important movement that took place. And Bengi talks about the links between organizers in Turkey, New York City, during Occupy Wall Street and Montreal. So I think this is a very important conversation that took place. And I'm really happy to share the second part of this exchange that took place on Free City Radio. So here it is. 
Uh, every Thursday, it was the day that we took to read all the text. And Friday, uh, we met and select the text to put in the zine. But like, it was very important that everybody could read all the text that we receive in our like try to make it as horizontal as possible. We made a website, uh, sad sadly it doesn't exist anymore, but we made a website where we put all of the text. Um, the Saturday, it was the day to lay out the text. So one guy from uh, Julien Bar from the L'Ecole de la Montagne Rouge uh, did that amazing work for us and with us. And then the Sunday, it was the time to print all the zine. Um, it was a big day and we had to also fold every one of them and also like stitch it like, I don't know what's, staple, staple them. Thank you. And, uh, and the Monday was the most important day uh, each week. W it was the celebration or crying day or reading poetry day. Uh, we met in different spaces uh, where we would read some part of Fermai, but also perform. And it was like an, a big happening. And it was always till late, late at night. So of course, the Tuesday was the recovery day uh, <laughs> for the hangover. <laughs> and then Wednesday again, and we received the text. And it was like all, all weeks. And uh, we did that publication for not four, not eight, but 14 uh, weeks. And then the summer arrived and we took not exactly a break, but we changed it a little bit uh, how we would work. And we did um, posters that are also zines. Um, I bring also like some example of those. And uh, in uh, fall, we, we were uh, exhausted, but another group uh, did other, uh, another Fermat. <coughs> uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the, that the story about it. Uh, one thing that I, tr that I think is very fascinating with that publication is you can feel in each week um, that our emotion and feelings are changing. And uh, some, some weeks are full of hope, and some are very funny, and some are very uh, cynic, and some are very sad. And um, after uh, the police uh, became more and more violent, uh, of course, you can find that violence uh, in Fermat also. And I think it's very interesting to see, like, uh, because it's not people who try to explain what's happening or tell people that don't understand what's happening. It's people uh, who, who talk about their emotion, what they are experiencing, who use words in ways that words don't exactly work that way. Uh, that's poetry, right? Uh, to make sense of something that they never experienced before and try to understand it um, with words. And um, yeah, so I would like to write you another example uh, that happened a little bit later in the weeks so you can see um, what I, I'm talking about when I'm talking about something like more, a little bit more dark. <coughs> Let me write to you as if to a longtime friend, since the irreversibility of what we live through together no longer frightens us. Lately, I've been watching you. 
You show the same determination, the same enthusiasm, but your breath has changed. Movement is now your second nature. However, I am concerned. It happened so quickly. Your eyes have lost their color. You have fade. Your smile has never been so frank, but you write to me with the panic of one who is drowning. Your injured arms. I have no choice but to believe the bruises. Tell me what you want to hear. I need to say it so badly. So you have like also texts like that that are very like talking to the community and like like I see you are tired, but I'm there and I'm also very tired, but you're there and um, the those Monday where we were not sleeping <coughs> strangely that were that was those Monday that give us the energy to go through another week together. Um, yeah, and I think like it's one thing that I was, it was an intuition that we had that we had to do something that we already know how to do and put it in the strike. And we saw so many people like, we saw designer do that, we saw musician do that, musician like doing song for the strike. And we saw a journalist do journalism thing for the strike. And um, we saw moms fighting, fighting their way for the strike. And I think like, oh, this is one of the things that um, touches me the most. And also that let a mark is that um, like if you are an archivist like you, you do that, you do what you are able to do and what you do most and it's the multiplicity of all the, those things that make the strike so big and so strong and so uh, plural. And um, yeah, I think that's what I wanted to say today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zaya, for sharing these amazing reflections and seeing all the Falmai uh, journals today. Um, they're here, silk-screened uh, poetry journals that were distributed during the strike. We'll have a chance to discuss a bit together. Um, and before that, we have a third guest, uh, Norman Navratsky, who is joining us and um, uh, is a poet and uh, an activist. Um, first became aware of Norman's work in the context of housing justice movements and uh, organizing around um, the Milton Park co-op or learning about it when I was uh, here. So as Norman's setting up, I'll just share a bit about uh, Wages for Students, which is a project that some friends put together in New York City. And being a, a a Montrealer who uh, grew up in Canada um, but is Anglophone, for me New York was always very important and being there a lot in the context of the time of the strike, um, I was seeing the translation of what was happening here in New York City and going to the East Village, for example, visiting some of the buildings that were squatted in the 70s, 80s, into the 90s, and 
seeing the activists there and the artists wearing the red square was very moving, uh, especially in schools like Cooper Union, uh, right in uh, Lower East Manhattan, where they did their own strike to protest the imposition of tuition uh, after the strike in Quebec. Um, and there was also a, a strike at New School. Um, Wages for Students uh, was republished by Common Notions and um, it was a text that was originally um, shared in the 1970s, in the fall of 1975. Um, I'll just read briefly from the um, uh, description. Uh, Wages for Students uh, was originally a pamphlet in the form of a blue book. It was written and published anom uh, anonymously by activists linked to the journal Zero Work. During student strikes in Massachusetts and New York in the fall of 1975, deeply influenced by the wages for housework campaigns, analysis of capitalism, and emerging in relation to struggle, struggles such as black power, anti-colonial resistance, and the anti-war movements, the authors sought to fight against the role of universities as conceived by capital and its state. The pamphlet debates the strategies of the student movement at the time and denounces the regime of forced unpaid work imposed every day upon millions of students. Wages for Students was an affront uh, to and a campaign against the neoliberalization of the university at a time when this process was just beginning. Forty years later, the highly profitable business of education not only continues to exploit the unpaid labor of students, but now also makes them pay for it. Today, when the student debt situation has us all up to our necks, and when students around the world are refusing to continue this collaborationism, collaborationism, we again make this pamphlet available for education against education, ag education against education. Um, so I, I'm a little bit familiar with the process around this, this book, and so I'm holding, for those of you listening, a publication. And if anybody wants to see one, uh, you can just... Uh, yes, um, and w uh, they are published by Common Notions, and their sliding scale today of five to ten dollars for this event. Um, so this is really just a cost price that Common Notions has shared uh, with us today. Um, but I just wanted to say briefly um, about the context of its publication, because close to where Occupy Wall Street happened. There, um, um, there, there's a small street that is just adjacent to uh, Wall Street, which is called Beaver Street. Um, so there is a small room uh, at 16 Beaver, and during Occupy Wall Street, this was a space where a lot of people would gather for little tiny conferences, I went to some of them, uh, where it would also be a meeting space. And so Wages for Students was presented in that space, uh, and then that uh, event, which was actually quite small, was recorded and transcribed, and that's how this book uh, came together. Uh, I actually was at 16 Beware too because they came to Istanbul in, in the summer of 2013. I mean, not all of them, but people affiliated with it. Um, so it's like this cycle of Occupy, the, uh, the Maple Spring, and then the Gezi Park uprising, and then like I think they went on for a while. Um, but I, I then I went to to New York in 2014, and they were still there. So I think it was a really 
kind of a space that's like very spatial space and uh, physical space but also kind of this floating space of like of movements kind of crossing crossing their paths so it was a really i think important inventory depository of of archiving in a way uh, but not physical but in other ways so yeah for those listening, can you just introduce oh. yourself very briefly? No, it will be great for I'm, people to hear. I'm Bengi. I'm the, the co-director of Social Justice Center, but also someone who's from Istanbul and was involved in, in movements uh, back in Turkey. And before we go uh, on with the presentation of 2012 Student Strike, I think people here would probably be interested to know just briefly, you mentioned Gezi Park mm -hmm. because people were watching from Quebec, what was happening in Turkey, of course. Um, briefly, Gezi Park. Sure. Um, this was an uprising uh, long in the making um, uh, in Turkey, Istanbul. So it was um, kind of triggered by the government's, uh, it wasn't the government, I mean, the government backed and then kind of cities approved plans of demolishing one of the biggest kind of public green areas in Istanbul, one of the biggest and one of the few remaining. That was always also kind of a, a, a place for especially the queer community to meet. And, and, and it used to be an Armenian graveyard before. So it's like it has its own histories of this, this being appropriated by the state. But um, it became a symbolic case because it, it was the time when um, the Turkish government's economic regime was building on a lot of kind of transformation of urban and rural land into kind of sites of accumulation. So uh, urban transformation and gentrification was displacing a lot of people in Istanbul, but not only. So this kind of culminated that kind of that dispossession and resistance and anger and anguish kind of culminated in in in. Um, the park when they kind of tried to one morning they tried to get uh, one night they tried to kind of start demolishing it and people just um, took over and then the movement grew with police uh, intervention and then finally we occupied the park and we were able to kind of hold it for a while um, and that was kind of the latest link I think in the southern Mediterranean of the kind of the, oh, the square movements but it also was very um, kind of visible example of how images and discourses, slogans um, kind of travel globally in resistance movements and, and also practices like keeping, uh, keeping a space occupied, building alternative practices of self-governance. So kind of it, it was like we've learned from each other, although we were never in the same space or time. Thank you. <laughs> So, um, I think it's interesting just to piggyback on that. One second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one thing that's interesting just to like a, sh a short follow up in the relationship between 2012 and Gezi Park, there's a poster, I think, that was on the, the slideshow. Oh, yeah, because okay. there's that famous photo. There's <laughs> the famous photo yes. of the woman with the red dress. Yes, she's the first one. She's one of the first people who got uh, water, like watered by the police and became kind of this. Uh, cult image, yes. So, wow. th so this has three references. One is La Beauté dans la Rue, which is, comes from um, uh, May 68 in Paris. So it references that is the original. Then the person uh, changed the brick to turn it into a book oh, and then yeah. put the reference of Gizzy Park, yeah. this, the woman in here. So references three uh, protest movements. 
in one yeah, uh, one I poster. Didn't, I didn't realize that, but now you, you pointed out, yeah. And so uh, the last presenter uh, for this panel, and we'll get a chance for a bit of back and forward. Uh, very lucky that Norman Navratsky uh, is here. As I mentioned before, uh, he has been involved in a lot of social movements in the city and was very active in the strike. Uh, reading poetry, playing violin, um, creating theater, many things. Um, so. Um, so to put things in context, uh, 16 Beavers, Occupy. Occupy 2011 in Montreal, we set up an artist committee. Committee uh, des artistes de Montréal pour, pour Occupy, Occupy Montréal. Artists from Montreal to support Occupy Montreal. And there were 30 of us painters, poets, writers, musicians, actors, web designers. And one meeting we had, a group of students came from UCAM <laughs> and said, hey, could you help us? Because we think the strike is coming and it's going to be pretty big and we need some artistic support. We're like, oh, well, uh, yeah, I guess maybe we could. Oh, okay, uh, we'll see. We never knew <laughs> how big, <laughs> how big it was going to be. and. So Occupy Montreal occupied Place Victoria, Square Victoria. There were hundreds of tents. There were a few thousand people involved. And that happily moved on and people got integrated, integrated themselves into the student strike as supporters, artists, activists, cooks, you name it, you know, drivers, medics. So that was almost like a mini training ground preparation for people stepping into the big strike. So um, Stefan asked me to talk about five specific projects. So first project, project number one. I was teaching, I am teaching here at Concordia sometimes, part-time, in the School Community and Political Affairs, a program called Community Economic Development. Um, in this class, I teach people how to use the arts, poetry, music, everything, for community organizing and social justice. Uh, during the strike, uh, I was lucky. My class was given during a strike day. Ooh, what do I do? Do I cross the picket line? Do I join the picket line? No. I walk into the classroom, cancel the class, walk out of the classroom, come back in as me, <laughs> activist artist. And I led workshops in creating activity for the street. So. The student strike was such an explosion of art, public art, word, music, sound, dance, theater. And I'm so thrilled. I'm so, I was moved. I still am moved by how high the bar was raised by students and supporters in 2012 in Montreal. The city had never seen such an explosion of art. I've been here for four decades, and before that I studied the art scene, and maybe a little bit during Expo 67 and 1970, the, the Corridor d'Art, you know, there were murals painted here and there in the city, but never this kind of explosion. So that was one. The strike also brought together Anglophone and Francophone. I did what I could as one of the professors against the hike. I would go to demonstrations, I'd go to rallies, I would try to rally the professors at Concordia. My God, <laughs> that was not easy, as we say. The professors, they prof contre the plupart, most of them were from the Francophone community. There were only a handful of us Anglophones who were actively involved. Um, 
but nonetheless, we had poetry readings outside. I would lead sing-alongs. Um, we tried to organize guerrilla theater in the street with some of the profs. We made a video clip. Um, and always it was using the arts, whether one way or the other. Then eventually I decided, okay, I gotta write a book, I gotta write a book, because you know, it's the poetry urge, the, the, you gotta write. So I put out Red Quebec Student Strike and Social Revolt po poems, poems I've been writing during the strike as things happened to me and my friends. And on it, I printed poetry on the red square and every book hand-stapled. So they're like hand-stapled bits of poetry from the book on the red square. So you can wear it here or you can just walk around with this book in your hand and show off your red square. And so I'm just gonna read you one of the little poems, for example. Oh, I also worked with a dozen artists in Montreal and I asked them, please do illustrations for the poetry book. And some really well-known Montreal artists contributed. I'll share a tiny poem very short poem. This one's called The Day It Started Snowing. The day it started snowing, red square flakes in Montreal, cops were confused. They clubbed red snow-covered trees, dogs, cars, staircases, parking meters, snowmen, garbage cans, each other, even the mayor, until the police chief said, whoa, only beat people with a red square pinned on. Got it? Oh, okay. The cops used shovels, brooms, brushes to clear away red snow, looking for safety pin squares. It was a long, arduous job. They all developed tendinitis in one arm, then the other, and then gave up. Never beat or arrested red square wearing people again. The city is now a tourist attraction. Cops sit on benches, their arms in slings, drinking tea, talking to the pigeons and muttering, this sucks. That was a conversation that uh, was recorded at Concordia University earlier this year, looking at the role of artists in the Quebec student strike of 2012. This is a very important moment of social movement history in Quebec, and I'm really happy to share these reflections that were present at the panel discussion here on Free City Radio. My name is Stefan Christoph. I host and produced Free City Radio. We air weekly on CKUT 90.3 FM on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. CJLO 1690 a.m. Also in Geogiagi, Montreal on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg at 10.30 p.m. on Tuesdays. On CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesdays on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, BC, on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. and Saturdays at 7 a.m., and on Met Radio, 1280 a.m. in Toronto at 5.30 a.m. on Fridays. You can find our archives at soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. Also, we are a podcast. Look us up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and please spread the word. That's how uh, we let people know about this effort. Uh, it's a big effort and it's done as a labor of love, so please spread the word. Thanks for tuning in and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>